You're going to be a football player when you grow up. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been in football all my life. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. It's a Friday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. All kinds of news and things that are happening behind the scenes. A busy, busy, busy day. Last few days, really, uh, over at the practice facility in Henderson. Uh, Don't freak out if you're not reading or hearing about who the Raiders are interviewing, what's going on with the job searches, uh, are they falling behind other teams. None of that is happening. The Raiders do things a little bit differently. Uh, than some other teams around the NFL. It's not right. It's not wrong. Um, there, there really isn't a right or wrong way to do it uh, as long as you go get your preferred choice or, or make the best decision that you possibly can, which I have no doubt that the Raiders are going to. They just keep things a little bit on a tighter lid than other teams. Um, and Lincoln Kennedy, first of all, how are you doing, my friend? Benny, what's happening? Happy Friday to you, brother. Happy Friday to you, too. Uh, no rest for the weary. Oh, um, <laughs> the Raiders aren't playing a football game, but they are um, making decisions right now and in the pro- you know, lead, or, 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 or undergoing a process that's going to lead them to making a couple of decisions here, Lincoln, that are going to, it's, it's literally going to shape the future, you know, for the next three, four, five years at the very least. Um, they didn't get here in a coaching – they didn't get to the point that they're at right now because anybody failed or it wasn't working or the roster wasn't good or they needed to change direction. Um, this was a set of circumstances that were in a lot of ways out of their control with whatever – with everything that happened with John Gruden, how that left Mike Mayock, his hand-picked general manager, vulnerable. Um, and so they're here at this point now, Lincoln Kennedy – looking for a general manager, potentially looking for a a new permanent head coach, not because what was happening wasn't necessarily working. It's for the reasons that we already kind of know. And it actually makes for a pretty attractive opening, whether you're talking about the head coaching job or the general manager's job. Well, look, we we talked about it in the shows that we've done since everything in the season ended for them, that this is a very sexy job. It's a sexy job for a number of reasons. One, you're going to the inter- entertainment capital of the world and one of the places where you've got a brand-new stadium. You've got a young in- a team that's intact that's a good football team, needs some fine-tuning in spots. But more importantly, you're under the salary cap. So you're not un- it's not like you have a, a I don't want to lessen it, a-, a major job to do, an overhaul to do when you take over a team. This is a team that's on the cusp of being better, being even more competitive, already made the playoffs, can probably do a deeper run once you make those sort of fine-tuned adjustments. So it looks very appetizing to up-inspiring up people who aspire to be GM. So I, I think it's a good move, you know, to for, for the Raiders to be diligent, be thorough, uh, and, of course, take their time with it because they, they have every reason to get it right. And, and you know, they, they really don't have to rush for any other reason because there are jobs out there, other jobs out there, but, you know, there are also jobs that would probably want to go to the best opportunity for some of these young coaches or you know, young possible general managers. And I think the Raiders are right there. I agree with that. And um, why I think it's incumbent on uh, the decision makers to, to ultimately make the right choice, especially in the situation that they're in, is that if we want to use a f- football analogy, um, 
you know, let's say if you're rebuilding, let's say a rebuilding was from your end zone to the red zone or the other, let's say the red zone. All right. Um, That's, you know, it's not always easy to get there. Right. But once you're there, sometimes those last 20 yards to get to where you really want to go, which is over the end zone, can be just as difficult, if not more difficult, than the 80 yards previously. Um, you know what I'm saying, Lincoln? Like, like closing that gap to be to go from what the Raiders are, a playoff team, to what they want to be, which is a championship team, uh, a team that's you know consistently in the playoffs, a team that's uh, viable to make a you know long playoff run. Closing those gaps or that gap can be as difficult as the complete rebuild part of it as well. It really is difficult to do because you can look at history. The Raiders haven't won a playoff game since I played. That was 20 years ago. You see what I mean? And since then, they have been constantly trying to get themselves back into that that, that light. They've only made the playoffs one, twice now, uh, 2016 and, and then this past year, since that time. Every other time has been a disaster. So it's absolutely imperative that you try to get it right because you, you, can't, you can ill afford to go backwards or to mess up as close as you are. They're, they're close. I, I, I think they're close. And now the fact that they've got a defense uh, and special teams, and as we talk about the cap space, I mean, you really want to make sure you get it right. So someone's got to come in with a plan. And however you interview a general manager, I don't know, I've never been privy to those types of uh, meetings, but um, someone has to come in with a plan, I, I su- su- would suppose, have a plan of what we would do from here, or how you would do it from here. And then you also have to talk along the, the facts, since you're probably going with a GM before a head coach, what it, what it seems to look like they're going to do, is if we have somebody in mind for that head coaching position, do you think you can work with this person? Those are some of the questions that, that would be at the top of my head. Yeah, and I think that that's that those conversations are definitely. There's like I was talking to somebody today uh, on a, on a radio hit that I did, you know, and what's going to come first? What if the coach can't get along with the general? I'm like, it's not going to be a situation where Jim meet Ed, Ed meet right. Jim. This is the general manager you'll be working with. This is the all of that will be taken care of in the interview process, like you just said. You're gonna want to know as you're talking to, let's say, a head coach um, candidate, or let's just say the general manager candidate. What's, if you were to be our general manager, what's your list right now? Five guys that you can comfortably work with, or have an idea, or, or or feel good about being the head coach. And every every general manager that comes in to this interview process is going to have his list or her list, uh, and vice versa. And then you're going to compare notes, and you're going to you know I'm sure there's there's um, name excuse me a name or two that's on both of those lists and that's kind of how you can get to that point but you know you mentioned Lincoln that uh, the Raiders have been in the playoffs twice since 2020 or excuse me uh, 2002 and the quarterback of both of those teams both those playoff teams is Derek Carr so I think that is a pretty good starting point along with everything else now that the Raiders have because they are literally coming off a 10-win season literally coming off a playoff season that's a pretty good foundation. Um, but if you were, and we're going to get into some of the names that, that of, of guys that the Raiders are talking to uh, and are expected to talk to, um, but what I want to know from you, if, if I'm Mark Davis, all right, and you're a general manager candidate, Lincoln Kennedy, what's your plan specifically to get us to the next level? 
If I'm outside looking in, depending on how much they actually evaluated their team, it's fine-tuning the pieces that we need to go forward. We don't right now. We don't need a quarterback. What we need is we need. I think we need um, some fresh thoughts at offensive coordinator. I think we need to fine-tune the offensive line. We need to create depth at that offensive line, uh, as well as uh, you know find an, an, an ex receiver. That's for the offense. On the defensive side, need to find another corner. Um, maybe, uh, and, and of course you need to find depth for that, that secondary as well, because you got to find, you got to address, if you're a general manager and you decide to keep Gus Bradley, you got to address the fact that we have problems with tight ends, notable tight ends. We got to do something about it scheme or player wise. What, what's our plan for that? Because we want to be better prepared for the upcoming season. It's not going to get any easier. We know our opponents, so it's not going to get any easier, uh, and, and it's going to be hard, and especially knowing everyone's going to see us gone. So those would be some of the things that I would address as well as fine-tuning a lot of the coaching staff that needs to be addressed, or yeah. if any. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about your answer right there, Lincoln Kennedy, is if I, were to have, if I were to have asked you that same exact question a year ago today, you would have said, who's going to be the pass rusher? How are you going to create pass rush? So you, need, you need defensive ends. You need yeah. interior defensive linemen. You need linebackers. You need a safety because <laughs> don't – I you know if, if Jonathan Abram can handle one of the other safety positions. So you might want to bring in a multiple safeties because you don't know where Jonathan – and on and on and on and on. And you basically just said, go get me a wide receiver. Help along the offensive line, which that was an issue last year. Not, not necessarily at this point last year, but sometime right. around in March where they made some changes. Obviously, some work was going to be needed uh, at, you know, along the offensive line. Um, and now, because you just, you just mentioned the list that I just wrote for the Review Journal. Right. Wide receiver, offensive line, and maybe right now more a right tackle yeah. and some depth uh, to, to create some competition, some legit competition for Alex Leatherwood and, you know, uh, John Simpson. You know, Denzel Good is under contract for next year, so mm-hmm. keep your fingers crossed that he's healthy and he's ready to go. I think that would make a, a, a pretty big difference. And then a, um, I think if you bring back Casey Hayward and you're comfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, with Trayvon Mullen, you feel pretty good about your two starting cornerbacks. Nate See, that would be the first one I, I address because I don't feel good about Trayvon Mullen. Because only, only because of the concussion issues. Dependability. You you you've seen look, if you go off of history, you see someone who has freaking frequent concussions cannot always be counted on to be there. And in his young career, he's had frequent concussions. So I would be drafting, I would be ready to sign Casey Hayward. Yes. Obviously for the way he played. Um, I, I don't know the, the, the situation for Denzel Perryman, but we obviously want to get He's him. He's got another him. year left on his okay. contract. So, you know, whether you're going to review that right now or just, just so you don't have to deal with him on the open market, um, address that in your linebacker room. Remember, you still you still got Nicholas Morrow coming back, so if you expect high stuff out of him, then maybe either Kwiatkowski or little, Corey Littleton are expendable, depending on the terms of their contract. But that's what I would be faced with as well as finding another corner. Because the thing is, is I like Trayvon Mullen. Don't get me wrong. And I thought that when he's played, when he's been in there, he's been good. But the, over the course of his short career, he's had, what, three, maybe four concussions? I don't know the exact total of that. And I know that um, uh, more than anything this year was the foot injury. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, so. but the concussion issue is something that, that I, I worry about. Right, right. No doubt about it. Um, uh, I, I think, I, I guess I would be a little bit more... I, there's no doubt that you have to draft and you have to bring in 
more cornerbacks. Right. Um, and and so uh, I think that's that that would be on my list. But and Nicholas Morrow is not under contract next year, um, okay. so we'll see. You know, he's he's a he's definitely a candidate to come back, um, assuming and and he, he got back late this year, at least onto the practice field, never made it back into a game. Now, business-wise, you would have to ask your question, if he's not under contract, how much would it cost to re-sign him? Is it worth re-signing him? Right. He you was, see what I mean? Right. He was paid, I think, $4 million this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe something along those lines again, or maybe even a little bit less. Uh, but I, I would like to see the Raiders. My, my order of business would be, and – you know, this to me, it's it's one A and one B, and you can reverse the order all day long. That wide receiver and and a right tackle. Now, here's a question that I was gonna I, I was actually gonna text you earlier today. Um, right tackle or right guard, and move Alex Leatherwood back to right tackle. You you can find someone in the National Football League that can play both guard and tackle like a Denzel Good. At what level is what you have to question? Well, how how much how 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 well did they play out of the tackle spot? Because it is two different positions. I'm not ready to give up on Alex Leatherwood. I think he's coachable. I think that you, he's not scarred enough to where it's it, it, his his development is not going to is going to be stagnant or or be slow. Um, I still think that he's capable. I think he's athletic enough to play the position. He just has to be trained, and that, that's what it comes down to. So, um, you know, when I talked about fine-tuning the coaching staff, I think, I think you need a, a new-minded uh, offensive line coach. I think you need a, a, a new look at it, some, a, a change-up, um, because I just think it, even, even in lieu of everything that, that Coach Cable had to deal with this season with the injuries and everything else, it just the, the, the development was really, really slow, in my opinion. And, and I'd, I'd like to see something different, uh, a little bit of a change-up, maybe a little bit of a fresh look since you're going to go with a fresh offensive look as well, hopefully. I'm looking at the free agent list, and um, I see uh, Teron Armstead from the Saints. Now, he's a, traditionally a, a left tackle, but – He can play right. <laughs> No, he was good. He was good. He was good, especially early in his career. I think he had a couple Pro Bowls. Yeah. Um, well, how old is he now? Uh, I don't see I don't the age. I wonder if he's coming off of an end. Why did he? Uh, I think it was injured last year. I can't remember. Armstead played over 750 offensive snaps just twice in the first six years of his career due to a litany of injuries, but he has been healthier of late. Um, this was this was heading into uh, this year. Hold on one second. I'll, I'll get the uh, the list. Yeah. But well, uh, the big thing is that I want to make mention is that you don't want to have a repeat where you overpaid overpaid out of necessity, like you had to do with Trent Brown, okay? Because they they vastly overpaid for Trent Brown and did not get their money worth. So at least you have somebody who's rel- if they're on a free agent market. Because I mean, if if Armstead was, I didn't watch the Saints much this year. He missed eight like, games this year. Eight, eight games, so I don't know. He might he might give you a little bit of a discount, a little bit of a chance of free agency. But he's going to try to make his money, so you got to be careful about that. Yeah, and he's made a lot of money, so um, you know. Uh, so they always so, want more. Hey, oh, they definitely do. <laughs> um, I'm looking for the other um, t- uh, the other offensive lineman, uh, Orlando Brown, uh, but maybe the Kansas City Chiefs bring him back. But yeah, they'll bring him back. But if they don't, he's somebody definitely to uh, t- to keep an eye on. Um, and I think he's better suited at right tackle than left tackle, even though he did a decent job this year at left tackle. 
from yeah. when I did watch him. Right, I agree. Um, and that would be, like if you were able to get somebody of that caliber, let's just say that you got Orlando Brown, put him at right tackle. Now Alex Leatherwood at right guard. That looks pretty pretty formidable on that side, right? Yeah, and you can you can either create depth by you know depending on what you want to do with Brandon Parker as a swing tackle, or even that Alex Leatherwood as a swing guard. I you know just there's no harm in having extra off, a good offensive lineman sitting around. There's what, no harm in that. <laughs> what about uh, Brandon Schreff from uh, Washington? Really good. I would love to have him if he's available, but he, he might be over too overpriced. He is a He'll free agent and uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, um, yeah, he's three years, fifty million dollars. So that's yeah. sixteen mil a yeah. year. Um, yeah. That's he'd the projected be, contract. Yeah, he'd, he'd be he'd be a high price one, but he he's a good one. Well, so he's what, always what, been solid his, his entire career. And he would just stay at guard, and then you would kick Alex Leatherwood back to right tackle. You could do that, or you can put you can put him at. Um, oh no, you can't put him at tackle. I was just thinking about that. No, Why not? Can't. He's not suited for the speed of tackle. Lake Tomlinson. Don't know who that is. Forty ers guard. I don't know who that is. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just check him off. Yeah. He's off the list. Yeah. Don't De- know who that is. Demond, give me a better list than that. Yeah. 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 Give me somebody no, that Lincoln you know, will know. This, this is the, the thing is, is that once you know the. For me, uh, you know, I don't put the carriage in front of the horse. So I think they've got to – I mean, obviously you've got to make some some moves, but you've got some time right now to start evaluating who might be available um, uh, and, and who, who who might be open to. You don't want to get somebody who's too old again, but you don't want to overpay for somebody uh, like you did with Trent Brown. That's the big thing. Yeah, and, and the thing with Trent Brown, at the time that they signed him um, – you know, it was it was right at the uh, almost at the outset of the rebuild. Like, yes, he was he was you know um, he represented an upgrade, no doubt about it. But you wonder in retrospect if that was just taking too big of a bite of an apple. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like well, it, they well, weren't look, there yet. They no, weren't. Here's the thing: they they needed a right tackle. The, 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 their their plan had fallen to to, to to the wayside because initially when they drafted uh, Colton Miller, they were going to have Donald Penn play right and thought they could get a couple more years as they brought Brandon Parker along. But when Penn shut down, then Brandon Parker was forced into, you had two rookie tackles and they got exposed. Derek almost got killed. So they needed a right tackle. That's why they went out and they paid so much for Trent Brown. Um, and he had been solid coming up and stuff like that. He had done his thing in San Francisco, done his thing with New England. But when he got there, he showed signs of promise. I actually thought they were better off when he played. His ass was just didn't play when he was. They around. were. Yeah, he yeah, was so. pretty darn good yeah, when he was yeah. out there when that first year. But but again, he, for the time and the amount of money they spent, and they really got it. You know, after that injury, uh, the, his last year there, they really he really gave it to him uh, by not playing at all, and, and really put him put him out there. So that's why they 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 reached for Leatherwood. Um, all right, so the Raiders have already – we're going to get back into that. I've got some other names I want to throw at you. The Raiders have already interviewed uh, Bengals personnel exec uh, Trey Brown, Bears player personnel exec Champ Kelly. Uh, today, I don't know if it's already been taken care of or if they're in the, they're in the process of um, Patriots player personnel president David Ziegler. And at some point, I think next week, um, Ed Dodd, uh, who is the assistant general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. All right, so Lincoln, some some um, detective work that I've done. Uh, there's people out around you know in the NFL who who feel like the Raiders probably have a pretty decent idea of who they want their next head coach to be. Um, however, 
you know, they're going to go through a meticulous process, and uh, I think they're open to letting that process guide them to their decision. And I think that's the best way to be. You can't just lock yourself in, you know, cast a, a net, um, interview people, and and let that dictate and guide you on what the decision is going to make. Because sometimes there's pleasant surprises out there. You might have an idea of somebody or someone or a couple of people, and then all of a sudden somebody just wows you and, and blows you away, and, and you're like, no, that's the guy. Um, but my question to you is, uh, what do you think is more important? This is the question that I keep getting. Um, do you hire the general manager first and then pursue the head coach? Do you try to do it simultaneously? Um, can it be done simultaneously? Uh, or do you get the coach first and then the general manager? What would if if you were part of that decision making process? What direct what you know order do you want to take? If if there was a general manager readily available that I liked, I take him right now. I have, like you said, I, I feel they have in mind who the coach is going to be. I I, I don't think that's a far stretch. Um, but um, I, I'm going from the aspect that I know this is a job people want because we have a lot of potential. Right. And we've got space, we'll cap space, which if you're going to make your name as a general manager, if you're going to make your stake to claim the fame, you want to make that impact. You want to like, oh, man, well, the Raiders were good, but then when – Vinny got there and took over general manager. Boy, he, they really shot up. They were, you know, they were good for years to come. That's what you want. That, that's at your disposal. So I wouldn't mind going with the general manager if you have someone in mind and someone that you like, especially if you have someone who's highly touted after. You want to snatch him up quick if you can. It's interesting this time of year, especially with what's going on, because you know um, you get calls from around the country. You know, and it's you, you always you understand sometimes where these questions are going. Uh, but it kind of gives you an idea of who might be interested because there's like detective work going on right now. Certainly. What do you think? What are the thing? You know that type of thing. Um, we're going to get into Jim Harbaugh and uh, some of the ties uh, between he and the Raiders and why that's you know uh, there's some fact, um, maybe more fact than fiction uh, along those lines. But um, some of the calls that I've been getting anyway uh, kind of make you think about a potential. Josh McDaniels, uh, Dave Ziegler uh, type of a tandem. Um, Just on the surface of that, Dave Ziegler is uh, basically the general manager of the New England Patriots. They don't have a general manager per se. That's Bill Belichick. But Dave Ziegler was given uh, much of the power that you get with a, as a general manager by Bill Belichick as a way to try to keep him in the organization last year when he was close uh, to becoming the Denver Broncos general manager. Um, there's people that are starting to connect some dots between a Ziegler general manager and a Josh McDaniel head coach Um you know, uh, tandem. I, I I sent that out to to some of my people in the NFL, and they felt like that pretty pretty decent tandem right there. Um, not saying that it's going to happen, Lincoln, but but your thoughts on on that, the potential of something like that. Well, look, I personally don't trust Josh McDaniel further than I could throw him because I think he wants the Patriots job for all the other things that he's turned down, and I have a problem like what he did with Indianapolis. Um, agreeing to the job and then backing out of it. I have, and he looked to be perfectly perfectly fine being an offensive coordinator because I know he has offers before. Um, the whole Ziegler thing I could see happening. Obviously, New England's been a strong um, uh, strong presence. They were uh, not recruited, drafted well. 
uh, and, and have held on to their sort of their, their way, uh, been able to do their thing. So that could probably be a, a, a good ride. But a lot of these guys I don't know a whole lot about. I just started re- doing my research on them, you know, like the Champ Kelly and those guys like that. So um, it's, it's, you know, when you talk about a general manager, you talk about these guys with a uh, pro personnel, player personnel, and all these other um, positions other than general manager. You know, it's it's really different organizations have a different hierarchies, different responsibilities. Right. So I would like to know what, what exactly was your responsibility as director of pro players. You know what I mean? Yeah, no that, doubt about Stuff it. like that, that. So those are the questions that I would have. And I just don't have the answers right now. With uh, with them, but I mean, I'm I'm open to anything and everything that gets the ball moving. I just think the longer they wait, the less the candidates are going to be out there uh, available. Obviously, because these jobs are going to start uh, start going to start going pretty quickly. Or the more they have their guy in mind, and it's exactly. kind of yeah. Yep. By the way, Josh McDaniels, from what I uh, under uh, have have understood, I know that that was a really bad luck with him in the Colts. But I think what it ultimately kind of came down to is he he needs to be comfortable with whoever the quarterback is, and that's kind of. At least what I'm hearing is that he likes what the quarterback situation is here. And that's why it makes for a potentially enticing position for him. And then if he was able to come in here with a guy like Ziegler, who he knows really well and has worked with, obviously, uh, that makes it, uh, you know, even better. So, so Plus, Wilson, you know, the thing, the, the one little thing add on the, this whole Patriot coaching tree, who's it worked out for? Brian Flores for about half Brian season. Flores, he yeah. got he got fired after a winning season, right? Or what was it, the three seasons? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like you don't you want to be Matt Patricia? Don't nobody, nobody like no. Detroit. It, so yeah, <laughs> Josh McDaniel. It seems like he's got to be able to record your practices. He's got to have the perfect oh. quarterback. Oh man, he just needs everything to go his way. Well, that's sometimes that's being that's smart too. Way. Sometimes that's being that's being smart too. But uh, but yeah. Um, that is that is kind of a. Uh, I mean, people who, people in the past have been enamored with the, the the Patriots coaching tree, and I'm still trying to figure out who's to work for. Uh, Romeo Cornell, no. No. Um, Bill uh, O'Brien, no. No. You know what I'm saying? So Charlie Weiss, no. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, it's something <laughs> they've that, been able to do a great job of there, but just right. like much of their free agents, when they let them go, it wasn't like they were they were you know doing a bunch of stuff. Troy Brown came back, didn't he? Right. Why exactly. I mean, Bill so, O'Brien did have what well, his problem was. Somebody gave him way too much power, and he was a very bad uh, personnel guy. That was a Houston guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas he was yeah. a pretty good coach. I don't yeah, think he, he ruined, was. He ruined, yeah, he ruined that. He, he, he gave he gave everything away. Because he was, the team was doing pretty well until he started getting his hand in all the decisions, yeah. and then all of a sudden, no, not anymore. So um, I think he realizes, I'm just a coach, man. <laughs> I don't need to be doing that. <laughs> You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Welcome back, Raider Nation, to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. On a Friday, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, Lincoln, you had uh, you had mentioned, and we've been talking, uh, obviously, about Jim Harbaugh. How could you not? Uh, there's a lot of smoke um, um, alongside him and the Raiders, and usually where there's smoke, there's some fire. Um you know, and I, I've as in my job, I gotta really start, you know, looking into things and making calls and trying to paint a picture of somebody and all of that. 
Um, and, I, and I know that in, in, I think it was Wednesday or so when we were talking, uh, the control part of it, like how much control does he want? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's always a red flag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting in talking to some people around the NFL. And one of the things that, you know, and this was pretty much a consensus, is that they, they feel like he's okay as long as he's got a seat at the table. He doesn't need full control. Um, he needs a seat at the table, number one, and right. and to work with somebody that he you know he respects and sure. has confidence in. Does that ease, would that ease any concerns um, of yours if you had concerns that he wanted to come in here and call all the shots? I want my head coach to have some say of people he wants because he's coaching the team, right? So I, I think it's it, it, to me it's a natural sort of a natural relationship. If you're my general manager and I'm the head coach. And I come to you and say, hey, Vinny, I need a right tackle. That's your job to go find me a right tackle. Right. You see what I'm saying? I need a right tackle who's better at man blocking than zone blocking, who can stand up to a speed rush and can protect a corner if I decide to go you know, uh, strong left, put my tight end over to left tackle. I need a, a tackle who can carry the open end. That's your job to go out there and find me, If you're, especially if you have some say in scouting and, and people moving. That's what I need you to do. So I expect there to be a natural relationship, okay? I what I don't want is uh, you know when you when you when you you have somebody who says, well, no, I don't like this. I want this. I want this. I want this. I need this. I gotta have this. Now you're dictating terms. I don't want to be. I don't want a dictatorship. I want a partnership, and and that's the big thing that I think from a general manager standpoint. I mean, you should be able to sit down and have a beer and talk about, should we bring this coach back or should we move on? And you'd be able to have that type of relationship. Right. Not somebody who says, draft this guy, draft this guy. Or else. Or, or yeah. else, you know, that type of thing. You see, I don't want that. Yeah, and um, I agree. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, that wouldn't be the case, but you never know and you always have to be concerned yeah. about it. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of ours. Uh, he works for Pro Football Focus. His name is Brad Spielberger. Um, and I, uh, whenever I have questions about like money and things like that which i'm an idiot when it comes to that i'm just letting you know i dm uh brad and he is like on it all the time brad how you doing my friend i'm doing well how about you we're doing good uh you're here with Vinny bonsignor and, and lincoln kennedy and brad we're talking about uh jim harbaugh and uh some of the smoke uh that surrounds him and uh the raiders and, and one of the you know you hear things and i've been doing some research uh, on him, um, and and you know that's part of the job. Uh, but one of the things that that can sometimes worry an organization or a fan base or or anybody that's in the decision making process is how much control does somebody uh, need or want or demand? Uh, based on your impressions of, of Jim Harbaugh, um, is that an issue that he would be you know want his hand in everything and final say in everything? Um, and is, is that a, a legitimate concern? Yeah, I think it is. You know, I think each building is different, and, and the hierarchy of who is above, you know, who is the GM ahead of the uh, head coach or is the head coach above the GM. Obviously, the last setup in Las Vegas, you know, John Gruden was calling a lot of the shots there, making some draft picks, stepping in and, and doing a lot. But I was eavesdropping on you guys before the show, and, and I think hardball is more kind of what you were talking about, where – I think he would say, hey, go get me a left tackle, or hey, I need this. But I don't think he would go so far as to identify the exact person and say, I don't care what the price is, just go do it. 
I think he would trust his front office to say, okay, we'll try to cater to that need, but let us take care of who we do that with or how much we spend on it. So he's going to want say. I don't think he's going to want you know ultimate calling every single shot, though. What would the other concerns be about Jim Harbaugh? You know, I think it's fair to wonder if, you know, frankly, if he's now more catered to coaching college players. You know, obviously he had a ton of success in the NFL, but he's known as a very intense guy. He demands, you know, excellence out of every single person around him. And I think he can eventually wear out some players and kind of rub them the wrong way. Um, and it does sound like, based on some comments coming out of Las Vegas, you know, after they moved on from Gruden to Rich Passaccia, how he, he kind of was more accommodating, gave him some more rest and, and, and things like that. And I don't think Jim Harbaugh is giving guys days off. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If you had your druthers, you had your way, would you hire the general manager first or would you hire the coach first? So I, I'm general manager first every single time. Um, I just don't understand why – when you know in the NFL that the career span is probably, you know, four or five years, obviously you, you hope the coach stays for a long time, but, but the average career span is that short, and the incentives for the head coach are always going to be to win right away. And I'm not saying, like, tanking or anything like that, but a general manager, my perception is they're going to have more of a slow build, they're going to want to build something that's sustainable, that can win over a long period of time, and that might take patience at the outset, whereas a head coach, they don't have any of that patience. They want to win from day one. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a GM first guy, but I will say, look, Jim Harbaugh is a different candidate. Uh, despite all the things I just said, I would still hire the guy probably tomorrow. And if you think you need to get him signed first and then find a GM candidate he's comfortable working with, I would still explore all of those options. Uh, a, a long time ago, Mitch Kupchak, the Lakers general manager, told me the difference between him and Phil Jackson and any uh, head coach uh, that he worked for or with is, you know, they look at things five minutes five hours, five days down the line. I got to look at things five weeks, five months, five years down the line, and that's the difference between a general manager uh, and, and a head coach. But if you can find somebody or a pair that kind of think alike and respect each other's positions, uh, I think you can make it work. And, Brad, I would think that uh, in any of these situations where you're talking about an opening for a head coach and a general manager, you would imagine that, Every, all, everything's being put on the table in terms of these interviews so that there's no surprises. It's not going to be a, a situation where Jim meet Ed, Ed meet Jim. This is your head coach. He's the general manager. His office is over there. You know, it, it's, it'll all be taken care of. You would think, you would hope that it would all be taken care of long before it got to that point, that there would be some sort of massaging of it so that it's almost a simultaneous type of a hire between the head coach and the general manager. Yeah, so because there's a bunch of buildings going through this process, I reached out to a handful of folks, including a couple that have, have been interviewed for GM jobs in the past, and they all said, you're getting asked in the meeting, who are some of the coaches you would want to work with? Who are some of the coaches you would like us to interview in case, you know, before we loop back around to your second interview and we have some days in between, who should we talk to? And so there are no surprises. I know you mentioned, yes, Ed Dodds and, and Jim Harbaugh obviously worked together with the Raiders, you know, about 20 years ago now, but... But, yeah, hypothetically, when Ed Dodds comes in, they would say, do you want to work with Jim? And then, you know, who else? Who, who in Indy do you like and do you think we should give an interview to? And, you know, maybe he doesn't get the job, but, we, you know, he's on our radar and maybe as a coordinator or something like that. So, yeah, there, there are no surprises. Um, and I can tell you that, yes, that all these guys are getting vetted for who do you want to work with, who do you think you would work well with, um, is, is, is probably one of the bigger questions of these meetings. You know, I'm of the mindset, Brad, and tell me if you kind of feel the same way. I, 
being around the league for a long time, I've seen a constant sort of rotation, if you will, some of the old tires, some of the old philosophies, some of the old household names, whether it be, you know, coaching carousel or stuff like that, you know, places uh, go away from, you know, you, you see people get hired again in uh, different places uh, over and over again. I like a little new blood. You know, some of the teams that have been taking a little new blood, like the Chargers, like the Rams, have taken the, you know, even even the Packers, have taken a little new blood, been a little, been a little more innovative. And so I'm thinking of somebody like, a, you know, a, a Trey Brown. You know, who's been around and people tell me that he's smart. He's, uh, he, he's, he might be a little young, but, uh, but maybe he deserves a shot. Do you share some of the same sentiment? I actually, you'll be happy to hear this. I heard he is one of the candidates they are very high on. Uh, I mean, obviously it's, it's not a big pool right now, but presumably they have some more names they're exploring and some more guys they already maybe have extended interviews to we just don't know about yet. But yeah, I can tell you I've heard he, he's a guy they really like. Obviously, this whole pool is tied back to the Patriots, um, you know, in some form or fashion. Um, but, but yeah, by all indications, what I've heard is that teams kind of respected that he, he saw there maybe wasn't enough upward mobility in New England and in Philadelphia. And so he decided to jump to the XFL and get that experience of being the head guy, calling the shots, being the leader. And I think a lot of candidates that did that have gained a lot of respect around the league because... It just shows that you know they, they wanted to be a leader and they were willing to kind of take that risk because they believed in themselves and, and went ahead and did that. So yeah, I'll tell you, I, I've heard a lot of good things about Trey Brown. We're talking to Brad Spielberger from uh, Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at PFF underscore Brad, and I highly suggest you do because you will learn a lot about football and the um, the nuts and bolts, especially uh, kind of behind the scenes and front office and things like that. Money, salary cap, uh, definitely worth uh, your time, Brad. When we talk about the Raiders, um, for, you know, just my, the homework that I've been doing is that this is a pretty darned attractive job for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but from your vantage point, as you look at the Raiders, where does this rank in terms of some of the openings that are out there? Yeah, I think it's definitely up there. I mean, obviously there are there are some you know concerns and, and some roster spots that were, were much healthier before the season than they are now. But but look, I mean, Derek Carr. If you go down a list of all the quarterbacks at each team that's that's open right now, I think you probably make a decent argument that Derek Carr is the best quarterback. And and, and sometimes it's as simple as that, right? And obviously. He, he might need a, a, a new big, big-time extension um, very early on in this new regime tenure. But nevertheless, I think coming off the playoffs, you have a great quarterback that's, still, I think, not even 30 years old yet, obviously about to be 30, but you know, could have good five, six, seven good years of football ahead of him. I think you trust that you can start there, build the foundation around him, or I guess if you wanted to start over, I think you'd probably get a king's ransom for him in a trade. And so either way, I do. I think you can hit the ground running there. I think there is a good foundation in place to build off of and, and to hopefully you know, kind of grow from. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot because you just brought this up, and it's something that I know I'll be writing about uh, many, many times during this offseason. Uh, Derek Carr's got one year left on his contract at very much market value. Um, it's not guaranteed, by the way. Uh, so he's going to be looking to be re-upped at some point this offseason, and rightfully so. What would a Derek Carr renegotiated extension look like in Brad's eyes if they were to work something out before the season? Yeah, you know, I think it's in the ballpark of a five-year, $200 million contract for about $40 million per year. And I know, you know, people hearing that might might be a little bit shocked to hear that, but you mentioned the market rate. I mean, we saw with Carr's first extension, he obviously had shown some flashes, but, you know, I don't think people held him as, you know, a top five quarterback or anything like that. But 
when you are a clear top half of the NFL quarterback, and, and you know, there's no questions about your leadership and your ability to lead the locker room and all that, which there's definitely none of that with Derek Carr, you're going to get this amount of money. And, and so the salary cap spiking with obviously a lot of these young guys coming up and continue to boost the market, I, I, I would be surprised if he gets less than $37.5 million on a per-year basis. Is it doable to build a championship team around that price of a quarterback? Absolutely. So unless the Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl, the quarterback of the winning Super Bowl team will have a top 15 contract in the NFL. So I, I like to rail on this point a lot. I believe the, the, the theory that you can't win with a highly paid quarterback is a theory that has been started by fired GMs once they do their radio, radio circuit tour. I, I think it is a fallacy. Um, yes, if you give a bad quarterback a huge contract, if you pay Joe Flacco top of market, then it's going to be hard to win. It's going to be hard to win with Joe Flacco no matter how much you're paying him, right? So, end of the day, you need a good quarterback to win in this league, especially nowadays. And yes, it makes things more complicated. There's less of a margin for error if you pay the guy a ton of money. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can look at the playoffs the last couple of years. A lot of people love to point to the Super Bowl winner and how there hasn't been a highly paid guy. Go look at the contenders in the conference championship game. And it's almost exclusively the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. All right, this is the last question, Brad. I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. And just understand, if you don't know, if you didn't know this before, understand now that there is a little bit of a divide in Raider Nation uh, on Derek Carr. Um, and so I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I'm, you're going to put, be put in a very vulnerable position here. <laughs> is Derek Carr worth the money that you were just talking about? And with the right pieces around him. Could you get to that championship game, maybe even a Super Bowl, um, with paying Derek Carr that kind of money and building a team around him? It's a really tough question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm almost shocked by my, by my answer I'm about to give because I think before the last couple of years, I, I would probably answer this question pretty easily. I would say I think he just doesn't have the potential to crack into that kind of like top eight quarterback. I think he's consistently been kind of in that nine to to 14, 15 range, but the, the big thing that people used to talk about with him was, oh, the offensive line is so good, and that's why he produces. Well, the offensive line's been terrible for two years in a row, and he still has been a really, really good quarterback. And then, sure, they've had some good weapons, but obviously this year, they lose Rugg, they, lo- they lose Darren Waller, and they still you know win four games in a row, getting the playoffs. Yes, the offense was incredible in that, in that stretch, but good enough. I, I, my answer is yes. I, it's going to be very difficult. It, it's not. It, it's going to require you know maybe hitting on some on some great draft picks. A couple more Max Crosby type draft picks would have to happen. But but I, I I'm not. I, you know I won't say that they cannot win with him on a big deal. Brad Spielberger, thank you very much. Number one, number two, you just made a lot of good friends. Number three, <laughs> you probably just invited a whole bunch of crazies to come after you, but that's okay. Just send them my way. I, I got your back on that one uh, because I'm with you. I think that you can build a championship team around Derek Carr, even paying him market value money. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Enjoy the great games this weekend, uh, and we will talk to you down the road, my friend. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. You guys, too. Yeah, thank you. You got it. That was Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad. If you want to say, hey, I'm thinking along the lines of you or, hey, you're an idiot because I get that, too. And I know Brad (laughs) does as well. Uh, I see it. Trust me. Uh, We're all okay. We've got big shoulders. We can we can handle it. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonster and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. 
No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Yeah, we're going to go out to Rich Passaccia's neck of the woods. Jim is in Yonkers. Yonkers in the house. Jim, how you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you guys stole some of my thunder tonight because I was going to talk. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about from 02 to 16, but it just took us five years to get back to the fifth seed. We were the fifth seed in 16, one win away from being the one seed. And it took us five years. I mean, it happens a lot with all these NFL teams. You, you look at some teams and you say, oh, they never got back. It took them six, seven. And the big thing with me is that Del Rio went from seven wins his first year, and Carr actually had a really good second year that year. And there were some games they actually could have pulled out. And then they go to 12 wins, and they fired the offensive coordinator. Why? There was rumors that Davis was upset that he blamed Musgrave for Carr breaking his leg, trying to get more points in the game against the Colts. And it kind of just went down there the second year. And then the next year they hired Todd Dowling, who I think is the offensive coordinator for the Titans now. If you can, you can, I don't know if you yep, guys yep, know that sure or not. He is doing a great job. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's the offense coordinator now. And it just, I look at it now, I said, Gruden came in. He kind of, I don't, I don't use the term gutted, but he looked at it and said, we want to build a long-lasting team. Let's get some draft picks. So obviously all those first-round draft picks didn't pan out. And the only guy in the four years of Gruden that's going to get a second contract was Colton Miller right now. Jacobs, you know, Jacobs got a second contract, but everything, everybody else is on the fence, and there's two guys that aren't even with us anymore. Of the first-round picks, yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, there's no doubt Max Crosby's going to get a, a second contract. Uh, when I look at some of the young guys that are here this year, from this year's group, uh, I could see some second-year uh, second uh, or, or, or second contracts, um, you know. So you're right, and, um, you know, uh, you can't take a step back from here. That's, that's the key, and I don't think that there's any intention to do that, which is Lincoln – that's why I don't think that anybody that comes walking into, um, or not walking into, it's all on Zoom nowadays, but anyone who comes into a Zoom meeting with Mark Davis and the powers that be and starts talking about a rebuild, I think it would be, we lost you. We, yeah. I, we can't hear you. Did you are you on mute? Because I don't right. think anyone's hearing that around here. No, no, and I, I agree. I, like I said, I think they're close. Um, but, but you, know, you know, back to the caller's point, you know, you, you can't put a whole lot of faith in the draft all the time because it is really a crapshoot. It really is. It, it, it's it, Some guys take to the system. Some guys go elsewhere and take to the system and stuff like that. But you always got, you know, guys that, that are, that are going to fall out. Now, never to this degree because no one would ever predict what happened this year to the two last first-round picks. Right. But, you know, you still have Jonathan Abram. You still have Josh Jacobs, which are proven to be good, solid players for you. Um, and, you know, going forward, you know, you, you made a mistake on Cleveland Farrell. Maybe you overreached for him and Alex Leatherwood. But Cleveland's not probably going to be here anymore. You're going to move on from him. Right. But, it, but, you know, similar to what Gruden did when he came in, he totally turned over the roster. So he got away. He got rid of a lot of high draft choices. You know, Mari Cooper and Khalil Mack, just to name a few. You see what I'm saying? Those were first-round picks. So. Yeah, no, um, you know, it's it it depends on your mindset. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. You know, now the Raiders, it, it's it's actually good that they are in the position they are salary cap wise, because one, they do have priorities they have to sign. They've got some veterans they've got to sign. They've got some young guys they got to make a decisions on right. with their fifth year option and stuff like that. So, um, as well as a quarterback, so it's good that you have money to spend. That's why this this possible job, this possible uh, the place is seems so lucrative and, and enticing uh, because you do have a ton of things that you can do and you, the team is already close. 
you don't need to overhaul to make them a, a possible winner. Without a doubt. Cade is in Phoenix. How you doing, Cade? Hey, what's up, Mindy? Hey, I got a couple questions, and I'm not trying to stir the pot here, but... Stir it, man. Come on. To win a uh, championship with Derek Carr when he's got 23 touchdowns and 27 turnovers. I, I don't get that, Vinny. I mean... You're a real Rams fan over here trying to tell the baby. I'm not a Rams fan. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a Rams fan. Oh, he's turned it all right. Oh, my God. I mean, Cade, in Phoenix, of all places, uh, get the sand out of your ears because I'm not a Rams fan. I covered the Rams. Obviously, I have some knowledge of the Rams. I covered them for four years. So I have some knowledge about the Rams, and I talk about my knowledge for the Rams. It doesn't mean I'm a fan of the Rams. And, um, I, you know, too many people in the NFL believe you can win with Derek Carr, and there will be a line formed if the writers ever made him available in a trade to get him. So you want to talk about 23 turnovers and or t- touchdowns. And tw- the guy did play this year with, with a crap offensive line, let's be honest. Non-existent run game until the end of the season. Um, he loses Henry Ruggs. He doesn't have Darren. What do you want, man? You know, go look at some of the situations of quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs and look at all the weapons that they still have with them and compare them to what the Raiders were dealing with or Derek Carr was dealing with, especially over the second half of the season. Yet they still found enough wins to get to the playoffs. You give him some of the help that a guy like Matthew Stafford has, trust me, he's going to be just as good as what the Rams are doing right now. And there's some other situations as well. Cade in Phoenix, thanks for the call. You can always call back. I mean, I'm, I'll be here, so give me a call. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.